We are at the beginning of a new homily series here in the center. We do series of homilies on one theme, and we're just starting today on the theme of community. And I thought, well, how can we combine that with the, um, the Young Professionals Weekend and, and above all, um, this theme that, that, um, that you're focusing on, right, which is focusing on priorities, trying to see, you know, higher care values, this kind of thing. And, but the more that I thought about it and the more I looked at the readings, I thought, no, this is great. This is a great combination. We can do this. So this is what the ideas I'd like to share with you, you know, if they help, wonderful. If not, throw them into the garbage can. So we have the, the main, our, our, like the title for our, our whole preaching series is Community from, you, from Me to You. From Me to You. And really this is kind of also the, this homily in some because I think the basic step a Krishna makes towards Christian community is when he stayed, made that step from me to you. And I think... If we really want to change this world as Christians, if we want to think about what do we want to focus on, well, I think the main thing we've got to get straight in our heads, in our hearts, in our actions, and in everything that we do, is this idea. From me to you. So, okay. So we like to, I'd like to start with this first um, idea that St. Paul presents us in the second reading. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is vain. And we are the most pitiable people of all. If there is no resurrection, then what we're doing here as Christians absolutely, it's senseless. It doesn't, make, it doesn't make any sense. And if there is no resurrection, it doesn't matter if your name is Stalin or Mother Teresa. Because at the end of the day, you're all going to, we're all ending up in the same place. No, everything is going to be over. And every, there is, there is no, if there is no future life, then this life has no value. And this is kind of counterintuitive because a lot of times for us Christians, we're thrown into our face. It's thrown into our face. Ah, you just, you know, you're comforting yourself thinking about the future and you forget about the present. I say the contrary. If there is no future, the present moment makes absolutely no sense. There is no purpose behind the here and now. What gives value to that is that there is a future life. And it doesn't matter if your name was Stalin or Mother Teresa if you've killed millions of people or if you haven't. It's not indifferent. It, it makes a big difference, right? And I think this is very important because if we want to change the world, the question is, well, what do you want to change it to? Because the guy on the left also wanted to change the world. And the guy with a shorter mustache in these countries also wanted to change the world. And people like Mao and, and, who, and Chavez today in Venezuela, they also want to change the world. But what are they changing it to? That's the question, right? That's the question. And I think here, the resurrection can keep us very much anchored as Christians and say, you know, where are we going? Where are we going? And it doesn't matter what, you know, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you change things to. No, it makes a big, big difference. So the resurrection is the basis of our faith. Without the resurrection, this was just a, was just a Roman execution. It means nothing. With the resurrection, it means that each one of us is infinitely loved by God. That each one of us has an incredible value for God. So much so that he's willing to die for me. You know, that gives me my dignity, my worth, my stature, my greatness. And I'm called out of the most terrible misery to the most glorious life in, in Christ. To the fullness of life. Anyway, so I think the resurrection, very nice that St. Paul um, gives us this opportunity to think about that today. I think especially 
in the context also, you know, if we're thinking about focusing and thinking about, well, what do I want to achieve in life and what's really important for my life, um, the resurrection helps us to focus a lot. The goal before me, I race to achieve the prize, St. Paul says. Not that I've achieved it. No, he's, he's realist and he's got his, both his feet on the ground and he's not kind of way up in the sky and doesn't, you know. But, but he's, he's running for a goal. He wants to achieve a prize. He's got a direction for his life. The resurrection gives us a, di- a direction. If not, we're kind of confused and going all over the place. No? We have no criteria what to do. So, um, kind of an important idea. Now, what Christ does and what the first reading those of you maybe don't speak German, but the first reading is very similar to the gospel. It's very, it's my talking about the same idea of what St. Luke talks about here in his sermon in the plain. You know, there's a sermon of the mountain, there's a sermon in the plain in Luke where, where Christ talks about blessed and woe, blessed and woe. And you have the kind of the same idea in the first reading today. You know, blessed are you the poor for there is the kingdom of heaven. Woe to you that are rich now because you, you know, and so he does, there's a contraposition of Blessings and curses. Blessings and curses. And, and basically what he's rolling out are these two paths to follow. You know? St. Augustine tried to formulate it once very point, pointedly in this way. He says, two loves have built two cities. The love of self unto the tempt, contempt of God and love of God unto the contempt of self. This is how he starts off his book, The Two Cities, The City of God. Two loves have built two cities. And one possible way to translate that, what he says in Latin, is two different types of love have two, built two different types of cities. Because the love of God and the love of self, and you can't even put them in the same category. Because they're so different. It's, we're talking about a different thing. One is egotism and one is love. And, and I think it's good to sit with, with a word like contempt of self. Because Christ himself says something very similar. He who is not willing to hate his life, he who, he who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life for my sake will save it. And we, you know, especially for us, of those who are, us who are Christians, and say, you know, Jesus is really nice and nice guy and so on. And, and, but that seems not very friendly towards our own self, right? It doesn't, that doesn't seem to... How do, you, how do you have that with a healthy love of self? Well, what he's talking about is not a love of self, my deepest self, who I am as a person, but what again and again comes across in St. Paul and in the Gospels and in, in the Church Fathers, this idea of the old man in us, the not me, the self of part of me, which is not really my deepest self, that has to die, that has to go into the grave so that the new man can rise up from the ashes no. So, but we have to destroy, be willing to destroy the old man. He has to be put into the grave and shut up, even though he tries to you know, resurrect all the time in us. But he, the old man in us has to be put into the, into the grave. And this is kind of the, the, the contraposition that, that we're, we're being, that's put in, front of us, put in front of us today. This is, again, so important because what we're saying, you know, um, we want to change the world, but what we want to change the world too, and this is what we heard this morning in the talk, you know, one of these, um, that when Carolina was, was quoting from one of the 12 rules of life of this um, Canadian psycho, um, clinical psychiatrist, and where he talks about this idea of, you know, make your bed. Like, before you want to change the world, 
make your bed like clean in other words clean up your own house before you want to change the world and this is kind of the same idea here right because christ is saying look before you want to change the world you've got to change your heart because if not you're going to make a mess out of the world you know if you're not when you go out there you're going to make a mess of things because you haven't got your heart straight that's where we have to start that doesn't mean we shouldn't go out into the world and we're never going to have our hearts totally perfect and we have to clean our rooms constantly. At least I do. I don't know about yourself. No. It's it has a tendency to... to um, what's that physical principle? No, everything tends to chaos. It just That's how it happens with my room. And that's how, what happens to our hearts as well, right? We need to clean up constantly. But we need to start there again and again and again to see how, is, how are our hearts doing. And we need to have a big fight against egotism in us. This is an idea from Jean Lanier and from his book, um, the, the beautiful book um, on community. And anybody who's more interested in the topic of creating um, solid communities, um, this is a great book. Um, he's the founder of the Ark, where these people that, that live together with handicapped people in the same, in a kind of a vegate type of thing. A community is only realized when the majority of its members have taken a step from the community for me for, to... I for the community. You know, the famous, don't ask what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. It's kind of the same idea, right? It's, it's growing up. It's the kid who's just thinking, me, 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 me. You know, I want, I want, I want to becoming a mature adult. Just as a human being, never mind Christianity. You know, just, just becoming mature means that life is not about you. That you have a role to play in this world, in this society. But how much more for us Christians, you know, who, who, who understand our own identity to be a gift of God for the world. So life is not about us. And I think this is, I mean, in so many different areas of life, you know, Father, not Father Luke, but Father from the Johannes Brüder, somebody help me, Longbeard. Father Johannes Lechner, you used to always say one of the biggest problems in the search of vocations, like the things like what I do, is brutal egotism and incapacity for suffering. And that's very provocative, what he said. But I think there's there is some truth to that. You know, I don't know if you can kind of understand, like follow what he's saying, right? Because a lot of times the whole vocational question: where should I focus in my life? What should I do? Which direction should I run? Is very much based on how can I realize myself? How can I be a better me? Now, in this center, we talk a lot about this idea. We want to become the best version of ourselves. But not in, because that's first and center. But that's the result of being there also for others. The Christian message is not about what's in it for you. But... This is the Christian message. No, it's self-surrender. We, have, we, we are a gift for the world, and the, the essence of the gift is to be given. The essence of the Eucharist is that you eat it, not that you keep it in your shelf till it rots. No. And, and the human person doesn't realize himself putting himself and starting with himself in the center of things. So I think this is a huge challenge because, like Carl Rogers' pop psychology, no. what, what makes you feel good? What, and how can you, you, it's all about you. You're in the center of your life. There couldn't be anything more anti-Christian than that. You know? It's the temptation of the devil in Genesis. You know? 
You decide. You are the criteria of everything what is good and bad for yourself in your life. Don't let anybody else tell you anything from outside. But the Christian message is not that. No, it's not that. Life is not about me. And if I want to leave a purposeful life, a purpose-driven life, then I've got to get away from what's in it for me. I've got to take the step from away from the community for me to I for the community. Now, I was thinking... I was thinking about a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote um, the the archipelago about the Russian gulags. I don't know if anybody's ever written or read read about them. It's an interesting book, and and I must admit I haven't read all all the volumes. There's quite a few volumes, but I've read enough and to get my taste of of what he was talking about. And one of the things he says is that. Um, he asked himself the question, what does it need to, to topple a dictatorship? And he answers himself the question, he says, that one man starts speaking the truth. And, and I really love that idea, you know, because there is something powerful about one person starting to do the right thing, you know, and not having just his own egotism in the center of his life, but thinking, you know, what can I do? It's the idea of Mother Teresa, who where this guy, this journalist comes up to her and says, Mother Teresa, what are you going to change in this world? What can you do? What are you going to change? And she looks back at him and shoots back at him and says, well, you can change and I can change. That's two people. We're already two. That, that, that way of starting like this grassroots revolution so to speak right but it's obviously not supposed to just start with one just stop with one person but it's supposed to go beyond that right and but it starts with one and i think if we're thinking about and this is kind of my my connecting the idea of community i'm convinced that that really one of the best ways to change the world is build up the church and build up the community of the church and build communities within the church if that be a network, if that be a community like this one, if that be a movement, if it be what like a church parish, if it be just a group of Christians that get together, um, I think that has enormous potential. A group of convinced people that start praying together, thinking together, what can we do to change this world is so much more powerful than it's just, than it's just one individual. But somebody has to start. And I think it starts always with this idea of from... Because if everybody's saying, what's in it for me? Um, that community is not going to go very far. It's only when they start saying, okay, there's something bigger here than me. Um, realizing that my life, if I'm just thinking about me, my life is going to be as interesting as I am. And that's not too interesting. I don't know about you. But it starts getting really interesting when we start opening ourselves to others you know, and opening up our horizons to the world. <coughs> So, um, I guess, I mean, the basic idea of this homily is trying to make, is, is what I said at the beginning, no? is we have to move from the me to the, to the you. And Vanier, he continues on the quote that I just gave you, that I gave you, where he says the following, that is to say, when the heart of each individual opens itself to every other individual without exception, it is a Passover from egotism to love, 
pass over from the land of slavery to the promised land, namely to interior freedom. No, pass over, like slavery meaning Egypt and only the promised land, the Egyptians that left slavery and went in, got into freedom. Um, this kind of Passover is when we start opening ourselves. Now, this is the danger of a closed community where we're just, again, it's the community just thinking about itself. The community always has a role to play for the world. You know? I think the worst thing, for example, that could happen here in the John Paul II Center is if, if we're just thinking about ourselves, you know, creating kind of a Catholic bubble here in Vienna where we're just concerned about ourselves. No, we want to be open for the world. We want to be open for... for and if the International Young Professionals Network is open to the world and is open to each individual. It doesn't matter what color, what creed, what crazy way of thinking maybe in our minds. Um, that can start a revolution of love, what God is, is so much yearning for, you know, that, we, that we open our hearts to each person without exception. It is a Passover from egotism to love and to interior freedom, you know, because then we're not trying to um, put ourselves in the corner and look for our sh- like a safe space where we feel safe because I have other people that think like me in my little bubble. Um, but we can open ourselves because we have the love of God in our hearts and that wants to become diffusive of itself and not be just self-centered. Okay, so I'd like to, at the end of the homily, give you four suggestions that I think the gospel is giving us today. How we can make this pass from me to you. How does that work? And Christ gives us four suggestions. He says, the first one is this thing about, um, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's this liberty of spirit, this not being attached so much to what I have, but rather to what I am. Not trying to build up on my life and what I possess, but on who I am as a person. Somebody who's more interested on character than what's on my bank account. Someone who is more interested in liberty of spirit and that needs nothing at the end of the day and hopes everything of God. It's interesting how somebody like Nelson Mandela could be 20 years in prison and still be a free person. My head is bloody but not unbound because I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my ship as he would say in that famous poem Invictus, that gave him so much power for to be 23 years in solitary confinement and come out and forgive everybody that put him there. Amazing amazing witness to someone who's got an incredible poverty of spirit, who didn't need all the riches of the world to remain a free person inside of his heart. So the first idea is that, like to be poor and in that way to attain to the kingdom of heaven. This poverty of heart which makes us free to love, which gives us this freedom to love. Because if we're possessive of things or even of other people, right? If people start wanting to use others for my means, for my happiness, then I'm no longer free to love. I'm rather being an egotist and staying in my own cave, in my own, um, in my own prison. Okay, second idea would be that Jesus, I think, gives us is Blessed are the hungry, for they will be satisfied. Another parallel gospel passage in the Gospel of Matthew says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for justice, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for justice, 
for they shall be satisfied. And justice in the Bible is another synonym for holiness. So it's the person that, that doesn't think he already knows everything, that has understood everything, that has all the truths of the world you know, in his head, that is hungry to learn, that is hungry to learn from other people. You know, so important in a community that we're hungry to learn from each other, that we don't think we've got it all figured out and we're going to explain, even if the community is just a love, a love relationship between a husband and a wife or a girl, girlfriend, boyfriend, no. It's, I want to learn from you because you make me bigger. You enrich me through what you have, who, what, and above all, through what you are as a person. Right? So that humility to learn and to stay hungry, and above all, the thirst for this justice and thirst for this holiness. And then a third idea is how to make that step would be this, this love to be vulnerable. Blessed are they that weep. Now that capacity of weeping. St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, um, chapter 1, says that the indifference, this coldness of heart, is the greatest sins of the pagans. This looking on suffering with indifference and not caring, you know, I'm doing well, is the greatest sins of the pagans. It's really interesting that he says that, right? I mean, he's, in other words, this, this not letting suffering close to me, of trying to put the protection of a tank around my heart, no man hats of a pansan, um, that that destroys also community. This capacity of making ourselves vulnerable, it's only in the degree that we're in touch with our own wounds that we can be open for the wounds of someone else, that we can be open to understand you know, the depths of the heart of another person who's maybe suffering, who's has his issues, who needs help, who needs protection, and, and needs a, somebody to be able to understand them. And it's, it's precisely through the wounds that we start being able to understand that. So that this idea of, you know, keep weeping, like... You know, have that capacity of being vulnerable, of making oneself vulnerable for others is so important um, in order to, to create authentic community and in order to, to make this passage from me to you. If I want to understand the other, I need to be vulnerable. I need to make myself vulnerable. And maybe here, Again, thinking about what you want to do in your life, you know, think like what breaks your heart. We sang at the beginning of the at the beginning of the mass this beautiful song, you know, "Break my heart for what breaks yours, break my heart for what breaks yours." To understand, Jesus, what is it in the world that's breaking your heart, and that should be breaking mine. You know, there's a lot of things probably, but maybe there's something that's really breaking, that's wrecking you inside, or, or that should be wrecking you of who you are, you know, in a way that nothing else does. And to sit on that and to think about it and not to react immediately, maybe sit on another two weeks and three weeks, but read more about the topic, you know, see what is it in the world that's wrecking you, that's breaking you. And maybe your vocation is somewhere along those lines. Maybe God is asking you to do something there in that direction. You know? What is breaking your heart? So this capacity of making oneself vulnerable. And then and the last thing, the last idea maybe, could be this one. Know how to suffer out of love. This is a deeply Christian idea, right? Um, this capacity of suffering out of love. This without love, again, doesn't make any sense. No, the cross without love doesn't make any sense. It's just, it's absolutely senseless, without purpose. But um, without this capacity of suffering for the sake of others, 
Yeah. There's a beautiful homily from John Paul II, one of, one of my favorite homilies, where he talks about this idea. He says, you know, the human person, it, it's worth it to suffer, to lessen the suffering of others. It's worth it to dignify your brother. It's worth it to take on some mis, you know, discomfort for the sake of someone else because the human person is an image of God because he has an incredible value. This capacity to say, well, I'm willing to suffer for you out of love. And actually, love is impossible without this capacity for suffering, this capacity of giving up something for the other person. And, and that capacity, um, I think, is, is very much Lost to pop psychology that says, you know, look what's best for you. You know, are you feeling good? But the meaning of life is not to feel good, but to have a purposeful life. And, and that's not going to happen if we're not willing to take on also suffering out of love. Not meaningless suffering, but suffering out of love for someone else. It's impossible, if, if we want to be thermostats in our society and not just thermometers, if we want to be changing the temperature of our society and not just measuring that temperature, then we need to be able to, willing to take on sacrifices, right? Any great thing to do, I think of all the sacrifices sports people do to great, achieve a great goal. You know? If we're not willing to do that, well, we're not going to go very far in our, in our commitments or our, our dreams of doing something great to change this world, to make it a better place. Jesus didn't promise us a life without suffering, but did promise a life of purpose and of meaning. And, and there, there I think um, this, is, this is like a super important thing. No? And to start off with little things, obviously. No? Um, an example that comes to mind often frequently for me, if your girlfriend likes sushi and you like schnitzel, well, give up sushi, you know, give up schnitzel once in a while. And don't just make her give up sushi. So it's, it's those little things that where we start training ourselves, right, to, to um, in virtue and in character, if we want to do something great for the world and if we want to move from me to you. So the basic idea of today was, to sum up this, this homily, is that... God has, a, has a, um, a salvation project for this world. He wants to save this world. And at the end of the day, the community of the church is his plan. That's how he does it. Because he didn't stick around. He says, you guys got to do it. You're going to be my hands. You're going to be my feet. You're going to be my heart. And your love is going to be present in this world through you. And, and so I need you to, to go out there and do it, Right. But in order to do that, we first of all need to make sure that our own hearts are in the right place. And so we need to take, I think, the, the basic first step to create um, vibrant communities and vibrant um, networks that are going to change the world is to take that step from me to you. And I, I'm riding around on this idea so much tonight because it, I think it's so basic. You know? If we don't get that straight, we're not going to get anything else straight. We're going to be manipulating the community. We're going to be manipulating our marriage partner. We're going to be manipulating the world around us, or trying to, for my own purposes. And that's a disaster. That's going to be a disaster. So there has to be a deep conversion of heart. And that's why St. Paul, up and down his letters, you know, old man has to be put into the grave so that he, we, can, we can rise up out of the grave. 
and maybe four little suggestions that the gospel that Jesus is giving us today, how we can do that with his help, right? We're weak and we make mistakes and we're, we're not perfect and, and that's okay. That's okay. But um, we, we're, we want to have, make sure that our direction is okay, right? And we, when we fall, maybe even a thousand times, it doesn't matter that we fall a thousand times, we love, as long as we love fighting and not falling, you know, to get up again and go in that direction. And maybe four ways to do that is, you know, be poor, be free to, you know, to love, in other words, Stay hungry, um, have the humility to stay hungry and thirst for this justice. Um, be vulnerable, keep weeping. Um, what wrecks your heart? And the last idea is that capacity for suffering out of love, like rejoice when you're persecuted, Jesus says. No? It seems totally like crazy. But to rejoice when we have that, that capacity and that ability to suffer for someone out of love. Anyway, so let's pray for each other. Let's pray also, especially in a way, to, for all those who are who are here today in the in this um, in this meeting that we're having, and Jesus, I want to ask for all of us that you help us, that you help us to be authentic, that you help us to bring down dictatorships around us um, by speaking the truth, by being who we are, by living our deepest identity. We help, we ask you and we beg you that you help us to be those Christians that you call us to be, to be light, to be salt of the earth. But we ask you also that you help us to purify our hearts so that we can, we can be really authentic and change the world, not for worse, but for better. Amen.